was a an overall successful happy hour at Retro Metro. It's our new happy hour and lunch bunch location. You can register for that at ksgf.com. Uh, I want to thank Mark and Shelley Long from Garage Experts. Of course, we had a whole lot of people. Darren Chappell was out. Um, Eric Burleson uh, stopped by. I, I, I mentioned them, not that they're any more important than anyone else, but just because it's, you know you know their names. And uh, uh, it was uh, just such a blast. And, and Mark and Shelley Long, they're just such great people. And uh, I hope a number of you got to meet them. Uh, they, of course, the owners of Garage Experts. And I, I've known them for years prior to having them uh, turn my garage into a, a, a living space in my home. Uh, a point of pride, not that embarrassment of the garage that you don't want people to see because it's turned into some sort of junk room. And uh, and you know, I just think it's important, particularly with our real close partners, that we have meaningful relationships, that you get as many opportunities to actually get to know them and meet them as possible. And I'm always grateful whenever they, as Mark and Shelley did, uh, come out and, and want to spend time with everyone uh, because it shows they really are one of us. They're us. They're part of this, this KSGF community. And uh, a thank you to them. And, of course, the tremendous work they've done for me and I know they've done for a number of you. Uh, you can see the transformation they did for me by going to my Facebook page, 1041 Nick Reed, under the videos and, and see the before and after there. I, uh, I normally would not. I kept the garage the way that it was bef- you know, when I did the filming before they came in and, uh, and did the work because as embarrassing as that can be, I wanted you to get a real true sense of, of what my garage looked like before and after. And, again, you can see that on 1041 Nick Reed Facebook page. Garage experts, find them under Nick's endorsements, ksgf.com. I, I, well, a couple of things. I heard the – I didn't watch any of the rally, but Trump is up in Pennsylvania doing an Oz rally. I heard the report that Oz spoke for about five minutes. Trump spoke for over two hours, which – that is not in any way, shape, or form unusual, uh, but I don't know why. It just really strikes me as funny just to hear that uh, Dr. Oz uh, spoke for roughly five minutes and Donald Trump over two hours. And then, of course, I think that Joe, can you imagine Joe Biden for two hours? Can you imagine that? I don't think that guy stays awake for two hours straight, and I mean that. I mean, even during interviews, we've watched him not off. <laughs> answering questions uh one of the things that he said at the rally he gave a nickname to ron DeSantis, called him ron de sanctimonious and I, I i my first thought was what i think a lot of people thought and expressed on social media and that was uh no 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 no, no, no. do not do that no 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 uh he at a subsequent rally in Miami, noted to an audience that you all are going to reelect Ron DeSantis. That was seen by some as trying to make good on what he said. It was, uh, I, uh, it was walking a fine line there. I, there's really no upside. Here's the thing about Trump. And 
Trump was notorious for calling out political establishment, right? I mean, that that is a large part of what people liked about him, that he was the one guy who was in the position to to do it that could take on the establishment and and win. And so he hit at everyone that he labeled as being establishment. He hit on, I mean, well, just all of them. No way. It, it wasn't just Democrats, but but establishment, which encompassed Republicans. Well, what has occurred since Trump became president was the ascension of a number of other individuals who, while personality-wise, aren't necessarily like Trump, but have done what no one really did up until Trump on a meaningful level, and that is push back against the establishment and not care about the name, whether they get called every horrible name under the sun. They don't try to win favor with the media. They call the media out for what it is. And DeSantis happens to be one of those people. Trump should be... I don't want to say... That's the best. If Trump is going to do something Trumpian... He should take credit for people like DeSantis, not try to use them as an example of somebody who's establishment. Because, and you know, here's the thing: people who like Trump tend to like DeSantis, and they tend to like Kerry Lakes, and they tend to like the Christie Gnomes, and and these these Republicans that call out the media for what it is. They call out the Democrats when they lie. They call them liars when they're liars. And they do the the things that, and frankly, Trump might be responsible for the fact that people like DeSantis and Kerry Lake realize that you can do that and be successful. Um, and I don't know, maybe they would have been that way before, but but Republican voters would have been afraid, like, oh no, you know, the media is going to tear him up. And and but you know, Trump demonstrated that you can be that way and succeed. And I think because of that, that has allowed for people like DeSantis to be the way DeSantis is. And people like Kerry Lake can be like Kerry Lake. And and Trump should not, he, he should pride himself on that. He should see them as a product of the new environment that he helped create. It, it There's just really no upside. Why would you uh, try and harm the people that could carry on that legacy because a concern that I had at one point and I talked about it here was what happened when Trump's gone there is nobody well now there are some potential somebodies and we should not trash on those people we should not name call those people we should be glad that they're allies and I and like I said you know it's Trump. Trump sometimes tests the water in certain areas. Uh, I suspect, based on some of that feedback, it, there's just, I desperately hope that Trump does not do what, frankly, the media really, really has been trying to get him and DeSantis to do, and that is draw battle lines and and split what has been a a solid support base. And, and it has been a powerful support base that has allowed for tremendous differences to take place. And the, the Democrats would love to see a split in that. They would love to turn one side against the other within that one family and, and you know, uh, 
forcing people essentially to pick between DeSantis and Trump, no one benefits from that except for the Democrats. And and listen, I mean, you know, you test the water with these things sometimes. Hopefully that's what Trump was doing. And, uh, you know, maybe he didn't even think much of it just off the cuff. But hopefully the reaction was sort of a heads up that, hey, uh-uh, that's uh, territory you may not want to wander in. Let's keep that stuff for the Mitt Romneys of the world. Jason Ryman with the latest news update. The Crawford County Sheriff's Office says human remains were found Friday in West Sullivan, Missouri. Authorities there collected evidence at the scene. Those remains have not yet been identified. Another one of the 12 railroad unions narrowly approved its deal with the major freight railroads Saturday, offering some hope that the contract dispute may be resolved without a strike. Seven railroad unions have now ratified contracts that include 24% raises and $5,000 in bonuses, but all 12 must still approve contracts to prevent that strike. The Highway Patrol says a motorcycle rider from Lebanon has died in a crash in Dallas County. Troopers say 64-year-old Richard Blackburn swerved to avoid another motorcycle that was stopped on Highway 64 northeast of Buffalo. Blackburn died when he was thrown from his bike. And a man from Forsyth is dead after a crash in Taney County. The Highway Patrol says 67-year-old Michael Stinger was driving on Highway H north of Forsyth Sunday when his pickup ran off the road and hit a rock bluff. He died at the hospital. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk 104.1. First alert forecast, cloudy 64 for a high today, 53 tonight, 68 tomorrow. Wednesday, Thursday, we're going to keep in the middle 70s, and then cold front is going to make its way in for Friday, Veterans Day, sunny, a high of only 49. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. A news leader had a story last week, good story. Chamber donations in Galloway referendum raised questions about city's membership. Amid the contentious Question 1 referendum campaign on the Galloway Village rezoning, the Springfield Area Chamber of Commerce has donated $10,000 to the campaign in favor of allowing the rezoning. Given the city of Springfield is a member of the chamber... The move raises questions about whether city money is going to a specific side in a city referendum. The Chamber of Commerce typically sidesteps this issue by working through the Springfield Good Governance Committee, a legally separate pack formed from Chamber and Springfield Home Builders Association uh, in 2008. According to its website, the committee, quote, recruits, trains, endorses, and supports candidates for nonpartisan races for Springfield City Council. Earlier this year, Chamber President Matt Morrow told the news leader that the Good Governance Committee has, quote, appropriately independent decision-making is funded entirely by voluntary contributions, most of whom are chamber or HBA members and does not receive taxpayer funds. But in the citywide vote to decide the fate of the long-proposed development across the street from Sequoia Park, the Chamber of Commerce itself has contributed two sets of five grand to Springfield United, the PAC supporting the Yes campaign. In a required contributions report eight days out from the November election, Springfield United reported $18,550 of contributions since their last filing, the majority of which came from the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce previously endorsed the Yes campaign, claiming a no vote would uh, disincentivize other development in the city. The campaign has also been endorsed by a series of city leaders, including Mayor Ken McClure and several city council members in their personal capacity. 
Brian Hammonds, Chamber Board of Director member and Vice Chair of Public Affairs, said in general, there's great concern that the biggest issue is the option to prevent a rezoning through referendum petition. There was broad agreement among the board that the conflict in the city charter that resulted in Springfield residents voting on zoning issues is problematic for a future growth. In a statement to the news leader, Chamber spokeswoman Jennifer McClure said that the direct donations from the Chamber is not atypical. Quote, with respect to the Chamber's contributions to Springfield United, the Chamber has a long history of contributing to committees affiliated with local ballot issues it's endorsed, she said, pointing to a 2019 10 grand donation to Springfield Public Schools Proposition S referendum campaign. According to McClure, the Chamber itself made the donation because the good government committee only makes contributions to candidates for the city council. The chamber does not make contributions to candidate committees, she said. Now, let me just say first out of the gate on that, that the, the, the donations are not unusual. It's always a red flag for me whenever there is a question of ethics and morality and conflicts of interest, when the response is, Oh, well, they always do this. That doesn't answer the question, though, does it? Just because things have always been done a certain way does not mean that they're right. It doesn't automatically mean that they're wrong either. But I always, it's just, it's a red flag that generally people who feel, generally, or organizations who are forced to, to fend themselves because of scenarios like this, when they point to the fact that, oh, this is nothing unusual, we do this quite often, that tells me if that's what you're going with, then you don't have a whole heck of a lot more to argue on your behalf other than that's the way we've always done it. That's not a reason. It's not a good reason. It's not a valid reason. The news leader continues, but the donation could create an issue for the city, which as a member of the chamber gives your taxpayer dollars that could have conceivably gone to a donation to the city's own referendum. A city spokesperson declined to comment on whether the city saw any conflict of interest in the city's membership in the chamber while the body directly gives taxpayer dollars to the Galloway referendum. McClure clarified later that the chamber separates public and private sector money, so city funds were not used in the contribution. And we all know this is fungible stuff. And so that separation is ultimately irrelevant. McClure noted, the chamber has a long history of endorsement contributions, so this is not the first time the question has arisen. And consequently, this has been vetted with legal counsel intermittently to ensure full compliance on the chamber's part. She added that the 10000 advocacy contribution is a very small fraction of what the chamber receives from private sector sources in an annual cycle. Again, that's irrelevant. Springfield Councilman Craig Hosmer, who has previously been critical of the city's membership in the chamber, told the news leader that the city was, quote, putting their thumb on the scale in the referendum campaign. Quote, obviously, the chamber can do what they want, but we're members of the chamber and we give money to the chamber as a city. And then the chamber gets involved in issues that the city is at least involved in as well. As Springfield City government, our job is to remain neutral in this referendum issue, Hosmer told the news leader. He would also say, referring to the Chamber of Commerce, individual council members can make their endorsements, but the city itself is representing the people of Springfield. The city gets its money through taxes, and you should not use those resources on organizations that are political in nature. And I happen to agree. 
Hosmer has previously criticized the Chamber of Good Government Committee for their influence on the city and contributions to city council campaigns earlier this year. Chamber President Matt Morrow wrote in a letter that these criticisms amount to political retaliation for not endorsing Hosmer in his last campaign. Now, that's also another red flag because that doesn't get to the issue. Anytime fingers get pointed, well, it's political retaliation for this. Okay. I don't know that, that it is. I don't know that, you know, if if the chamber were more supportive of Hosmer, would he still be calling this out? I don't know the answer to that. But that doesn't change the facts. It doesn't change the perception. It doesn't change whether or not the city should be using your tax dollars to give money to the chamber that, I don't know, last I checked, I always had this crazy notion that their number one priority should be the businesses within the community. Morrow wrote earlier this year, quote, just as it would be wrong and damaging for any member of city council to use the power of his or her office to reward their political supporters, it's equally wrong and damaging when a city or when a member of city council uses the power of his or her office to punish those he perceives as as his political opponents. It undermines the public trust when elected officials imply that city staff, city council members, the business community, or others are operating in a way that is unethical when no evidence supports such an irresponsible assertion. Now, this is, again, where I don't know if these people are just arrogant or naive. This idea that as a taxpayer, you may have a problem with your dollars being given to an institution that then goes out and endorses and promotes and supports in one way or another on a, on a vote. It's your tax dollars that are going to this organization. And to act as if anyone who has a problem with this is doing that, like, you're the immoral one, you're the unethical one. When the Galloway rezoning originally came before council, Hosmer voted against it in his personal capacity. He believes Springfield voters should also shoot down the ballot measure next week, saying, I think you want to encourage developers not only to have the public hearing and take comment, but also take the comment to heart and try to make some modifications so that their development fits into a neighborhood. And I don't believe that particular development does fit into Galloway. And so you you have two separate issues here, of course, the issue itself regarding the vote. But then you have this issue of the chamber getting itself involved an organization, that being the chamber, that takes taxpayer dollars from the city, the city that wants this to get done. How anyone can not recognize that this, at the very least, I I just don't know how you get around not seeing this as a problem. I've tried to rationalize it. I've tried to play devil's advocate. But the fact that this is an organization that receives taxpayer dollars from an institution, from an entity, that being the city of Springfield, that clearly wants this to go through. And then the chamber, who gets money from them, goes out and pushes for this, spends money on it, gives money to the people who are behind you know, the effort for the development. How anyone cannot see that as problematic, it's almost as if you have to be totally detached from morality and ethics.
And it's not to say that the people behind it are unethical. Again, this issue at the chamber is a totally separate issue from, to me, whether the development should or shouldn't occur. This is a problem that has existed too long, and it seems like every time the chamber pops up in the news, it is because they're working on behalf of the city, not on behalf of local businesses. Now, they'll claim that's why they're partnering with the city, because the city has the best interest of the local businesses in mind. I also have a real problem, and I'm no huge fan of Hosmer by any stretch of the imagination. But what they're doing here is they're claiming that because they aren't supportive of him, that's the entire reason that he has a problem with this and that that is unethical. Well, you can easily flip that around, can't you? Because the framing of the chamber here is that if you aren't supported by the chamber, then you can't criticize them. That, that's the entire framework here. They're, they're claiming that he is out to get them because they were not supportive of him, because they haven't campaigned for him, because they're not allies. And so any criticism from him is simply political retaliation. Well, isn't that a nice scenario to set up? That means that absolutely no one, that, that the only people who can criticize the chamber are people that the chamber have supported. Well, what's the likelihood of that happening? And the people who the chamber doesn't support can't say anything bad about the chamber. Can't call them out for any potential unethical behavior. Because if they are, they're just using their political positions in order to punish them. That is a completely unethical and dishonest position to put out there. Going to take a break more in moments. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Hear about it. Hear about I, I know it. I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast, cloudy 64 for a high today, 53 tonight, 68 tomorrow. Wednesday, Thursday, we're going to continue to see warmer temperatures with highs in the mid-70s. Then uh, for Veterans Day, cold front making its way in, sunny only 49 for a high, even colder yet Saturday with a high of 40. I want to make just two other observations regarding this story, and it was from last week. It just other things had me kicking it down the road a bit regarding chamber donations and Galloway referendum raising questions about the city's membership and ultimately what is problematic for some people here, including me, is it is clear the city wants a yes vote. Um, they, they, they want this development to occur. And while that in and of itself is not the issue that I'm concerned about right now, because differing people are going to have different ideas and opinions on that, is that it's clear the city wants it. The city gives money to the chamber. The, the, the chamber is reliant on the city for some money. And while they may downplay it as not that much, the fact of the matter is they take it for some reason. I imagine it's because they think they need it. And then they donate thousands and thousands of dollars to the political action committee that is pushing for 
that development that the city wants. And I think most just normal people look at that and think that just I don't that just doesn't seem right. One of the individuals who's on the council is Hosmer, who has he's long spoken about this. What he sees and many other people see as an inappropriate relationship, and that is the chamber taking money from the taxpayers by way of the council, the council funneling taxpayer dollars uh, to the chamber. And then the chamber, through their political action wing, uh, goes out and supports and campaigns for causes and endorses causes that that same city wants. Now, I don't know whether Matt Morrow, the head of the chamber, is is really because he acts like there's nobody in their right mind would see this as problematic. I don't know if he's just that naive. Or 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 what. But here's he claims that Hosmer, who the chamber did not endorse Hosmer, so. The chamber is claiming that Hosmer, this is political payback and that this is damaging to the reputation of all the parties involved because in accusing this, uh, you know, Hosmer accusing the city and the council of, of doing anything unethical or potentially improper, that that's so damaging because it it, it calls into question Uh, the, um, the the ethics of, of the people involved, and that is damaging. Well, what are you doing? You are claiming that this council member is using his position to get political payback because you didn't endorse him. Are you saying that doesn't undermine the integrity of the city? That isn't damaging to people's confidence in their local city government for you to be out there claiming that here is one of the city council members that just out of revenge because you did not endorse him is coming after you. See, this is where I have a problem with the you know the pot calling the kettle black, whatever you want to say here, where pointing the finger and saying, "How dare you?" You're going to undermine the credibility of all the people involved while you're undermining the credibility of that person. Right. You know, th- this just, like I, I said initially, even if every person involved is an ethical individual that has no ill will at heart, to me, just you would have to recognize the appearance of it. Secondly, I continue, as many of you do, and I, I, I get probably more feedback on this because of the position that I have, and, and people oftentimes reach out to me because of issues they have. The, the difficulty small businesses have in the city of Springfield 
And a, a number of these are unavoidably becoming high profile because it'll be a restaurant that is very, very popular. And let's say they're moving locations and they are supposed to open at this date. And then it gets kicked down to this date and this date and this date. And inevitably, it's because the city of Springfield is making it a living nightmare for an established business just to relocate in the city. I've spoken to business owners who moved out of the city. Now, I don't want to say in some of these instances they were planning on moving anyhow because a lease was up, but they made the conscious decision to move outside the city of Springfield because they recognized what a pain in the ass the city makes it as a business owner. And every time one of these things occur, in my mind, the Chamber of Commerce should be the loudest, most vocal supporter of that business. They should be out there on the news talking about this is a real problem that we have in this community. That year after year after year, businesses find it cripplingly difficult to do business in Springfield because of the way the city operates. And by the way, I, and you know, just to be completely, make sure that everyone, I don't want to give any false impressions. It's not the city as a whole. Some of these businesses I talk to, they say every department but this one has been fantastic. They've been great. But because of this one. It has become a nightmare. And I and when I hear this, when I see this, I'm like, where is the chamber to be talking, sending out press releases to the news leader, to KY3? Now, Ashley Reynolds at KY3, you know, she does that that feature that focuses on on problems that are occurring. Oftentimes it's a consumer. But when you are a small business owner, particularly when we're dealing with all of the problems that we have, whether it's supply chain or shortages in the labor market, and then on top of that, you have to further fight the city government. And, you know, they're just out there sort of floating in this sea. And many of them are afraid to speak out because they feel like they could be punished for it by the same people that they're relying on to allow them to open. And every time it seems like we hear from the chamber in any sort of public setting that's trying to get the people's attention to draw attention to something, it's something that the city wants. Something that the local government wants. It would be nice if once in a while... The Chamber of Commerce were using its clout and its ability to make news headlines. If they use that in an effort to draw attention to some of the problems that these small businesses have in the city of Springfield because of the government, instead of lobbying on behalf of what the government wants. And I, I don't know what it's going to take for that to change. It is very clear they have no interest in changing how it is that they operate. So much so that when you have one council member that calls this relationship out and they go on the attack, accusing him of using his power in order to get revenge. You think that's not a message to other council members? that recognize what up until now has been a pretty significant cloud of the Chamber of Commerce, you think that's not sending a message to them? Here's what happens if you question us. 
right, the, 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 the whole relationship, the whole mindset, the fact that it, it seems like every time the chamber's in the news, it's, again, trying to convince voters to vote for something or support something that the city wants while you have businesses out there that are struggling and oftentimes the single largest obstacle being the entity that the chamber takes money from. I mean, that right there is a massive red flag. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Sarah Myers, everyone. Hey, thank you. Oh, and also, I want to say thank you for uh, doing my little interview with Bruce and the Beatles. Oh, well, my pleasure. Team. Yeah, it was Absolutely. really good. Now you're having them come out sometime. Uh, ha- this no, week? they they did pa- this past week. Oh, and they so, did. So yeah, That's I got my awesome. estimate and everything, and so now just figuring out what and when and everything. You know, with the holidays, you sort of take into consideration. Exactly. Yeah, like, well, do we wait on some of this mm-hmm. and, and so forth? So, no, they did a great job. Well, that's a perfect segue because right now is that perfect time. Maybe you are going to be hosting your family for the holiday season, and maybe you've noticed some things that you would like to have repaired around your home. Maybe some bigger things, maybe some smaller things. That is where my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance can really help you out. Now, Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S, and they do a variety of home repairs and maintenance. So maybe you have uh, some ceiling fans that you would like to replace, maybe some new lighting, or maybe you want to do something more significant. Maybe you have a guest bathroom that hasn't been updated in a very long time, and you're going to be having family members using it this holiday season. Highly recommend my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance to help you out with any of those small jobs or remodels that you may have now you can find all of the contact information for bruce and the beatles property maintenance team that's going to be housed at ksgf.com under the sarah's endorsements tab i I don't want to say i hate i never enjoy talking about this relationship the chamber has with the city because i always catch hell for it it's just it's so exhausting not that it just takes up time (laughs) i don't mind the it's the amount of time that sometimes it takes just it's just such a clear thing. And it's like nobody, nobody wants to stand up and just point. And it's nothing against the businesses. In fact, I I feel bad oftentimes for, I think these businesses, the Chamber of Commerce to some degree is like, I think the Yellow Pages, where for the longest time, it, you know, it was just what you did. And it was the source you had to get your information out there. And then it became less and less relevant in that original capacity but people are like well we always you know we always buy an ad in the yellow pages so it's just something we've always done and you know it's just it's that habit of, of doing it and and thinking well you've got to do it to network with others and um and you know i get that but man i'm telling you just even on a national level the chamber of commerce is not a a business friendly organization this is an organization that during the last, talking about the National Chamber of Commerce, see, people just don't know this. During the last elections, they found, I, I think there were 17 or so of the most vulnerable Democrats that were running for re-election, and they campaigned on their behalf. And enough of those individuals got helped pushed over the the victory line, that that's why Democrats still controlled Congress after the last election. 
Now, if chamber had not involved itself, would those Democrats, those vulnerable Democrats have lost, thereby giving control of the House to Republicans? You know, I don't know. But it gives you insight into their motives. Now, what they tried to claim is that, well, we thought that if we gave them money and supported them, that when it came down to, uh, uh, you know, needing them to to side with Republicans, uh, that they would be reasonable and do that. And, of course, they did not. And I don't believe that the chamber is that naive. We've got to to break this mindset, this belief that these these organizations, some of them, you know, they masquerade as one thing, and and it may be that they started out genuinely that way, depending on the organization. But then, you know, over time they've evolved and changed, but they still continue to masquerade uh, as the original purpose, uh, so that they don't lose support and funding. But whatever the reason is, I, you know, you can talk about that. But the fact of the matter is, they they more and more are operating on behalf of government and people who believe in big government. And, you know, at some point, it just becomes so clear and obvious, you've got to call them out on it. And the fact that, you know, well, they're just certain organizations that are untouchable, as Hosmer's learning, uh, what I'll be accused of, I don't know. I'm not in any sort of position to have, you know, this is the benefit of not having financial ties or relying on endorsements or anything. Is I don't know what I could be accused of, what my motivation is, other than just the truth, what you know, I... All right. Now, I mentioned earlier that on Friday, I believe it was, NBC News reported that according to sources, and this was a new report that came out, that when police came to the Pelosi house and they knocked on the door, Paul Pelosi answered the door smiling, saying everything's fine. Nothing to to see here, nothing to worry about here. And then he turned around and, and just walked right back into the house, and at that point, they said, that's when they saw him get attacked. Now, the conspiracy-minded people began noting how long before this story gets retracted, and it didn't take that long. And NBC is not responding to queries as to why it was. You know, I think they said, oh, well, uh, we didn't do enough fact-checking on this one. (laughs) Oh, really? At the same, so, okay, you know what would answer, you know, what would really help? Release body cam footage, right? Would that not answer that question? I mean, you have conflicting reports here as to exactly what happened. You had some news report, of course, you had a press conference in which law enforcement claimed that there were three people there. That was, that was law enforcement at a press conference. Then that got walked back. No, no, no. Uh, Sometimes we get confused when we count between two and three. That can be very confusing. Now, you know, there were all sorts of questions. How did the police get in? What was going on? So forth, so forth. And now you have this NBC report saying that sources that are close to the investigation said part of the court filings said that police said that they, they knocked on the door. Pelosi answered. He was smiling. He said, nope, everything's fine here. He went back into the house, and that's when he got attacked. Now NBC saying we were confused, we didn't mean it, that's not what we, so forth. Well, okay, body cam footage, right? Daily Wire, prosecutors refused to release body cam footage from incident at Pelosi home. 
Now, it's, by the way, not unusual for body cam footage to be released well before there's any sort of trial. Prosecutors overseeing the case of the illegal alien who attacked House Speaker Pelosi's husband in their home last week have not released any footage of the incident. Daily Mail reporting that the prosecutors are, quote, refusing to release police body cam and surveillance footage from the incident late last month where the 42-year-old uh, David DePap is accused of breaking into the Pelosi home, searching for Nancy Pelosi, later bashing Pelosi over the head with a hammer and so forth. I think that would go a long way to clearing it up. And uh, listen, you've got conflicting stories here. And yeah, sometimes bad information gets out. Obviously, bad information has gotten out regarding that story because you have conflicts. It's just we don't know which side is the bad side or not. But I think that would go a long way. So, you know, of course, some are saying, well, if it's re- you know, they have to acknowledge if there's going to be a trial uh, at some point. I mean, why, why hide it? It's going to come out eventually. Well, midterm elections. You know, are they worried about the impact then? You know, if you're talking about an area, a jurisdiction of the country that's run by the left, and the fact that they will selectively release footage that they can show something bad happening and attribute it to Republicans, uh, like the edited footage uh, that or selective footage that was released during you know the uh, January sixth, they they do that. And so the fact that they're not doing that with this, um, you know, sh- at least releasing some footage, uh, I don't know. It, it makes me a little suspect that they have the election in mind here. But I could be totally wrong on that. Springfield's Talk One O Four One. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk One O Four One. Don't forget again, um, just with that. I know I mentioned this earlier, but Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty, following her on uh, social media. It's important to keep in the loop with these folks because you may end up unexpectedly needing to sell your home. And, and you know, quote, uncertain times make some of the more, I don't know, traditional ways of going about it. You could call into question. So you want to be friends with her so that any questions you have about buying or selling, Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. Glenn Beck's next. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>